Welcome to Millennial 608. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. So I have a bone to pick with FedLoan, guys. Uh, FedLoan, they they are the ones who uh, service my student loans. And they contacted me like three months ago being like, hey, time to recertify your student loan payment. I'm on an income-based repayment plan, which means every year I have to resubmit so they can see if there have been any changes to my income that would thus impact my monthly student loan payment. I submitted my recertification to them like two months ago, haven't heard shit. And they were like, yeah, we're going to um, give you your new loan payment at the beginning of March because my increased or changed amount is going to be due at the end of March. And here oh, we are, no. beginning of March. I haven't heard shit. So oh, great. Do, does this mean I just don't have to pay? Because I'll take that. <laughs> I never received it. I mean, maybe if uh, if Bernie wins, you won't have to worry. There's that. Are you anticipating it going up? I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think it's been that great of a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they calculate these things because I know that they take into account other expenses that you have. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. We'll see. It's going to be a mystery. Yeah. It'll be like, happy Easter. <laughs> Here's your new student <laughs> loan payment. Hope you got some money in that Easter basket because you're going to need it. Nope. Still haven't filed my taxes, by the way. <laughs> oh really <laughs> what are you waiting for like april 15th or probably a little really why wait though i mean I'm... okay i get it not you don't need to do it like january february right. march late march maybe early april yeah, we'll, get see. It over with. we'll see what my student loan repayment is gonna be hold the government up i'm not paying my taxes unless that student loan repayment looks good exactly they're not gonna get money from me any sooner than they have to speaking of money Over the past year, I decided to start acting like an adult. Because I am on that work-from-home grind, I've never had a a 401k. I haven't been planning for retirement like a lot of people. So I decided about a year ago, why don't I start putting some money away? That sounds like a responsible thing to do. And I've been investing in the stock market. I've been using two apps, the Robinhood app, and uh, they've been a sponsor, I believe, and the Stash app. And I really like them because it is very easy to invest and they help you along the way because I don't know what I'm doing. So it's nice to have them advising me. But oh boy, the stock market over the past week crashed. It was the worst drop since 2008. Now, this would have been a bigger story for tonight's recording. However, today, Monday, March 2nd, they had the biggest gain, single day gain since 2009. So it did recover a little bit. But it was scary last week. And this was because of the coronavirus. Investors were worried um, that this was going to affect the economy. And it still very well might. And the stock market might tank again. But I was curious, do you guys have any money invested? And were you stressing as well? <laughs> this is actually something I was thinking about working on like as a personal goal this year was was investing in the stock market. So this is not a good time for me to do or maybe <laughs> no, it, it is. is. Buy low, yeah. sell high. Yeah. Yeah. But I like you, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So maybe maybe going through some of these apps is probably the best way to go about that. All it. right. Next millennial variety show, we're gonna sit down with Pam and we're gonna buy her some stocks. Oh boy. I'm sure she's looking forward to that. Sounds like a fun installment, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? 
I no, you know what? They make it pretty easy for idiots like me. Can't you just like buy into tech bundles and shit? Yes, yeah, and I would definitely okay, recommend. Okay, there that. you go. That's the safest. <laughs> These bundles are the safest. But I've also been buying into some companies. I've bought into Tesla. I buy into things that I'm a believer in. Tesla, Apple, and um, Beyond Burgers. Mm. I do. I did know a guy in like. Like I knew him in high school, but kind of better after we graduated. And he used to make bank at the stock market. And it's because he would look at, say, like not Apple, but the companies that Apple would buy their parts from. Yeah. And then invest in those right before big releases. And this was like when the iPhone was like you know, it was barely just coming out. Yeah. So he made a nice chunk of change and I should have just given him money and had him yeah. do it for me. You know, some everyday Joes, just like us, they spend a lot of time investing in the stock market and they make a lot of money. I was on the phone with a friend yesterday who said that he told his friend he should buy Tesla in 2012. And that's when the stock Jesus. was like $20, $30 maybe. And my friend John, he was like, I don't know if he still has the stock, but I do know that he owns a house in L.A. now. I'm like, well, he definitely bought Tesla when it was $30. Yeah. yeah. It's like people who bought into Bit- Bitcoin, too. Yeah. But you had to get out at the right time. Yeah. Tesla stock, by the way, now is worth uh, $750 after today. It peaked at around $940. Um, of course, at those prices, I'm not buying a lot of shares. Um, but it is cool to own a very little piece of Tesla and other companies that I love. But anyway, so it if if you have not been saving for retirement, dear listeners, I do recommend having a little fun in the stock market. Throw a little money in Apple. You don't have to buy a full share. I think that's a common common misconception. You could just throw $20 into Apple. It doesn't matter how big their stock is and you'll still have a little piece of it. Um, but it can be fun. And with Stash, I do auto stashing. I automatically put some money in certain companies and these groups of stocks each month and then my retirement portfolio as well. I'm maintaining via auto stash and who knows, hopefully one day I will actually be able to retire. I have a 401k and I've been pretty diligent with it, but um, I just have it set to whatever the default like low risk investments are and I really haven't taken the time to look at where I have room to risk things and part of me is kind of like maybe I shouldn't mm-hmm. maybe it's better to just view this as a low risk savings account because who knows what the fuck is going to happen to our economy yeah exactly um but you know if it does sink again it'll be a good time to buy into some stocks I don't know it's fun working from home I'm very bored here so it's fun to watch the stock market <laughs> I'm like ooh Tesla's up $50 Does that not bring you a lot of anxiety, though? Because I feel like if I was just sitting there every day watching it, like, rise and dip. Not anxiety, because I have a lot of confidence that the economy is going to continue to do well and improve. What's that like? What's I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was saying to somebody when I was in L.A., you know, say what you want about Trump, but he's been good for the stock market until last week. And we're going to talk about coronavirus today because he has had a hand probably in affecting the stock market and scaring a lot of Americans or making them way more comfortable than they should be. Also on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the latest in the Democratic race. It's been a big week and it's about to get bigger with Super Tuesday. We have lost a couple candidates, so we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about how some of these candidates who just dropped out are now rallying behind 
Biden, and that mm-hmm. is really annoying a lot of Bernie supporters. So it's going to be a Hot Topics episode of Millennial. But first, if you're worried about catching an illness at the workplace or you're worried about the future of this country, so you want to take your future into your own hands, then this week's sponsor is for you. HoneyBook is exclusively sponsoring Millennial this week, and they are the best place to manage your own business. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. HoneyBook has been there for me as I keep track of my own clients and my consulting and editing side hustle. They help me keep in touch invoice, draw up contracts, and so much more. For the longest time, starting way back in the early Hypeable days, I would use Google Docs to draw up these really bad-looking invoices. They were so basic. They could have been made by a third grader. They weren't professional. They didn't give off the right look. I didn't know how to build an invoice. They just made it appear like I didn't have my act together. And the truth is, I didn't have my act together, and I still don't. But at least I can look like I do to the outside world, thanks to HoneyBook. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices to make you look like you're not only great at the creative side of your job, but you're also good at business management. And templates are just the beginning. HoneyBook will help automate much of your workflow so you can spend more of your time where you need to. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com M-I-L-L. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash M-I-L-L for 50% off your first year. Okay, so coronavirus. We have our cameras on. Nobody is wearing a mask. Yep. Nobody looks ill. Nope. My nose was kind of runny today, though, so. Uh-oh. Have there been any cases in Georgia? Not that I know of. I mean, Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport is the busiest international airport in the U.S., so... <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> so here's the latest. It, it has started spreading in the United States. Six people have died, all in Seattle. There have been over 100 confirmed cases nationwide. It could have been spreading for the past six weeks. Scientists are looking at this now, looking at the strain, and this is what they're uncovering. Um, the CDC and the World Health Organization have been warning it's going to get worse before it gets better. That is not what Trump has said. Trump said last week that We had 15 cases in the U.S. and it was about to go down to zero. I don't know how he could say that, how he could lie. Because, yeah, well, he was personally going to go to all of these people and spoon feed them ginger tea and just sing them lullabies and make them feel better. Maybe his spray tan liquid also serves as like a antibacterial. It's a repellent. Yeah, a repellent. Yeah. But it was just really pathetic to see how he was handling this because he could he can never take the blame for anything. So, of course, he's not going to admit that the spread is happening because of his administration's slow take up of the issue. And then, of course, trying to downplay the issue is a problem because if if the president of the United States is saying, hey, guys, nothing to worry about. We're going to have zero cases within a few days. People are going to be like, oh, cool. I can continue being disgusting and sneezing into the public and not washing my hands, et cetera, et cetera. But that was just a lie. And he wanted to help save the stock market. And it did not help. Obviously, the three of us, everybody listening, chances are we're not going to get coronavirus. And that's that's great. But it's made me and others, I think, think about how we keep ourselves clean and how we avoid germs. And thanks to the coronavirus, I've actually been learning a lot about spreading germs and how to prevent germs um, from getting into my system. First of all, 
masks. Have you guys ever thought that wearing a mask would be helpful against the flu, against coronavirus, etc.? No. No. Well, you guys are smarter than me and a lot of other people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like I know that culturally in Asian countries they they use masks a lot and that's why sometimes when you're in like even when this is not happening when you're in heavier tourist areas Americans specifically think it's weird to see, you know, Asian tourists wearing masks. I will say when I was in school, um, our health clinic, if you were like going to the clinic and you were sneezing and coughing, they would make you put on a mask to sit in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. And I always just remember kind of feeling like, I mean, these are just dinky, flimsy little masks. They're not like real high medical grade. They're not going to do anything, but I guess they make people feel better. Honestly, it makes me sometimes I've taken my grandma to the hospital before, you know, for a checkup. And especially during flu season, I, I appreciate it gives me some security knowing that I'm not taking her into a cesspool where people don't know how to cover their mouths when they talk, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it, like, really does anything, like you were saying, but it definitely gives me that added feeling of security, even if I don't well, particularly the, buy into it for myself, the which one, is weird. The one type of mask that actually does work is the N95 model. It's the best one at uh, preventing airborne diseases from getting into your system. I actually didn't know that most masks don't work because you see a lot of people walking around with them, especially now because of this coronavirus threat and flu season. So I just assumed people knew what they were doing. But shocker, people don't know. I will say I did wear a mask when I was in San Francisco a couple years ago during the wildfires because the smoke was really bad. I have asthma and I was like, well, I guess I can just try this to see if it helps. Yeah. I don't really know if it actually helped. I don't think it did. No, no, because you not. do have to get the heavier duty ones. Yeah, like Andrew this N95. Was saying. And then on top of that, um, like people think that they could just buy one mask and then that's it. But you actually have to keep changing them out or it's not really doing you very much good. So speaking of masks, covering your mouth and nose when you sneeze and cough. You two are intelligent women. I assume you do this, right? Yes, I actually do the um the elbow sneeze. Uh huh. That that's, that's my good preferred yeah. method. Yeah, yeah. Or I just go like kind of further up too. Usually, like right here on my shoulder. I'll usually pull my shirt out like this. I'll cover yep. my mouth and I'll go. Achoo! <laughs> Don't let the devil in. But I cannot stand <laughs> these people. Coronavirus aside, I cannot stand these people who sneeze without covering up. And what drives me especially mad are these people who sneeze into their palms. What are you doing? And I can understand it if the sneeze caught you off guard. But the first thing you should do is immediately go wash your hands. Like immediately go sanitize if something like that happens. And I've definitely seen people who do the sneeze into the hands and then just like go back to living their life and i'm like oh i think it's just a it's just a habit for some people they grew up sneezing that way and they can't quit mm -hmm. it i mean it's it was a ha it's a habit to get used to not doing that too because i'm sure when we were all younger like i'm sure there were times when we would cough into our mouths or just like cover your mouth instead when you're sneezing and stuff and that's when an adult says like don't use your hand like go wash your hands here's another one i seriously had no clue i i just never thought of this you're not supposed to be touching your face. Yeah. I touch my face all the time. I love rubbing my nose. I pick my nose. 
I am I'm, I'm <laughs> like picking my lip. I can't stop touching my face. This is something that um, anybody who's ever gone for like makeup consultations or yep. like to a dermatologist, it's one of the number one things they tell you because you transfer so many oils from your fingers to your face. Um, I will say I'm not very good at this. I definitely do catch myself like touching my face throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so it's an area I think where I have room for improvement too. But I am a frequent hand washer. Um, sometimes to the point where like growing up, my mom would be like, you're washing your hands too much. Stop it. <laughs> and that's actually bad if you do it too much because then you're wearing off. Yep. What is it? The pH levels, I want to say or something. Yeah, I think you're messing with the ph levels on your dermal layer you can't win it's dangerous to sit yeah. for too long it's dangerous to stand for too long it's dangerous to wash your hands too often it's like whatever you do forget about it you're screwed but actually laura this got me thinking about my acne because i have had acne all my life and i'm like why won't this ever go away well i also have not stopped touching my face and my face can get greasy and i am because I am touching my face so much, I wonder if that's why. So I'm more aware of it now, but I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to stop. I mean, well, I will say I also... that, like, and also this it only applies if you're doing this, but but actually, like, putting on makeup for me does help me not touch my face. You don't because mess I it do up. tend to get oily, and so then I know if I touch my face too much or if I'm rubbing, it's going to rub off. And obviously, I know that that's not something that's feasible for everybody to do. Just like slap on some makeup and you know call it a day, but it. I don't know. It definitely is helpful to me. Even if maybe like, maybe you could placebo affect yourself and put moisturizer on and just be like, I can't move. Can't touch my face because I have the moisturizer. I need to put myself in handcuffs. I think that's the only way I'm going to yeah. be able to. Get... Andrew, question. Do you wear sunscreen? When I'm out at the beach or something? No, you should wear sunscreen every, every day. day. What? Why? Yeah. Yep. What? Because you're you're pale like me. I'm pale? You are very Caucasian. Yes. Look. I'm but I get a good of you and I repeatedly apply sunscreen throughout the day. Wow. So and the reason touching your face is bad is because you pick up the germs on your hand and then they can get into you via your lips, your mouth, your nose, your eyes. This for some reason never dawned on me. And I'm now going to reveal something that I never knew before. Okay. And this is part of a new segment. I had this idea last week for another <laughs> topic called fake adulting where it's taken me way too long to learn something. I thought we were supposed to wash our hands because we're touching germs and the germs can get through our skin on our hands. Oh. That's not true. Unless you have like a no. cut or something. Yeah. Right. I did not realize it was all about touching your face or your asshole <laughs> or your bunghole. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought it's getting or any through, opening, any opening. I just thought it was yeah. about getting through or someone else's opening. Yeah, right. Exactly. I used to be I was a chronic nail biter for a very long time. And, you know, and, and like anytime people would get on my case about biting my nails, I was like, what's the big deal? It's not hurting anything. I was like, well, no, the reason it is a big deal is because you get so much nasty shit under your nails. Oh, that when you're biting you're them, it. Yeah. you're introducing it into your mouth. I used to bite my nails too. I don't know how I stopped, but I did. But what I still do, and I've done this my whole life, is I bite the skin around my nails. And that's got to let in a lot of germs too, because it's basically yeah, it's probably a thing. similar issue. If you, it's a nervous reaction. If you, if I'm having like a really stressful week, you like you'll see all this peeled off skin around my nails. 
I'm so used yeah. to it. I don't even think it's gross. I will say if you're a nail biter and you're trying to quit, doing SNS nails is really good. Um, so I just go and get these like every two to three weeks and they just put like a layer over your natural nail. It's hard. You can't bite it off. Um, and it, you know, lasts a long time. So it's really helpful. Pam, are you a nail biter? Uh, yeah, I was for a really long time. And and I do catch myself still doing it sometimes when I get um, anxious. But but uh, painting my nails has helped a lot because it mm. looks really nice. And then instead of biting my nails, I can just pick the nail polish off. Yeah. It's like similar means to an end. So I was curious, are there any weird germaphobe things y'all do that maybe you haven't admitted before? I don't even think we've ever had this discussion on the show before. <laughs> What's like a weird tick that you have to avoid germs? Um, it's not a tick that I have anymore. It was something that I used to do when I was a kid. So I've always been pretty anxious. Um, but for some reason, I went through a phase like in my early adolescence, like 10 to 12 years old, where when I went to wash my hands, washing my hands was like going into surgery because I would wash all the way up to my elbows <gasps> every single time. <laughs> I don't know where I got this from. My mom caught me doing it one day and she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Freaking weirdo. Stop doing you're that. basically showering. Yeah, you're not going into the OR. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen people in some public restrooms wash their hands for like a solid minute, two minutes. There was one time I'll never forget in a Barnes and Noble dude was lathering up. Like I've never seen somebody do before. He created like this whole orb of soap bubbles. Like he, cause he was washing for so long. I was like, dude, when are you going to stop? But on the flip side of that, like I will see people. I saw a guy, I think this was at Disneyland a couple of weeks ago. Dude doesn't even wash his hands. He comes out of the stall grabs a paper towel, just brushes his hands off with a dry paper towel and throws it away. Like, dude, what do you think you're doing? Can I, like, this is something I've always wondered about men in general, because, you know, like, if you're peeing, you're not necessarily touching yourself all the time when you're doing that. So, like, do men wash their hands after they pee in general, if you've noticed at all in public restrooms? Oh, you notice. You notice. Every guy yeah. will be able to back me up on this. There are a bunch of guys who don't. Maybe That's because what of what you're saying, but you touch other things in the bathroom. You're touching yeah, of course. the flush handle, the door. There's a bunch of things you're touching. So you absolutely should be. I admit there's some times where I go in and I pee and I don't wash my hands. I'm lazy. I don't know. I have no excuse. Andrew. It's stupid. Yeah. So Chelsea in the discord is saying I use a paper towel to open the door when leaving the bathroom because of that reason. Yep. Because of people like you <laughs> not washing your hands when you leave. I think that's pretty common, though. And some public bathrooms, if they're good, they'll have a trash can right next to the door. So you open the door with the paper towel and then you just plop that paper towel right in the trash can right next to you. Sometimes if a trash can is not there, I will open the door with a paper towel and I'll just throw the paper towel on the floor because I'm not going back. I need that paper towel to open the bathroom door, you know? Oh, I do keep um hand sanitizer handy. So like if I'm just going about my life and mm -hmm. something happens and I can't like run to a bathroom to wash my hands, I'll sanitize. So like if somebody walks by and sneezes or like if I lend something to somebody and they bring it back to me, I'll usually sanitize myself. Yeah. 
because I'm paranoid. I, I'm, um, I'm like a total mom. I'll whip that out at like if I'm at dinner with somebody too. And I feel like it's been a long day and their hands are probably dirty because a lot of people won't wash their hands before they eat. Yeah. And I feel like that's really important. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. If coronavirus has been a blessing at all, it's that a lot more people are being aware of just how many germs they're potentially spreading. I don't yeah. feel like we were talking about this back when Ebola was happening. No. And it's frustrating because, again, all of these same principles should be af- applied to the flu right, every right. fucking year. And so many people die from the flu. Not to, you know, I don't want to undermine the deaths that have occurred from coronavirus thus far. There's like 3,000 deaths worldwide. But again, you look at a flu, the flu virus that kills tens of thousands of people every year and nobody panics. But then we get a new virus that's like exotic and weird <laughs> and suddenly everybody freaks out. And I'm just like, uh, I, it's because it's talking new. To people about this. Yeah. But I'm like, am I underreacting? Because I think that, yes, we should be aware. We should stay informed. We should be taking action to try and prevent the spread. But these are things we should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I think that's my frustration with it is like people are like freaking the fuck out about coronavirus. And I'm like, where were you when the flu <laughs> has been a th- and continues to be a thing? Flu season's not over yet. Yeah. No, I agree. But just in general, like I... I- Tell this is really gross, but one time I got really bad um, food poisoning and it, it, they literally called me. The hospital called me a few weeks later asking if I had eaten at a certain restaurant and they had deduced that a string of us had gotten food poisoning because somebody that worked there did not wash their hands after they went to the bathroom. Oh, man. It's so gross, but yep. that's like that's why you should wash your hands in general, even if you're not in the food service industry. Like, mm-hmm. if you're out and about, you know, doing stuff. Yeah. Even if you're like cooking for yourself, cooking for other people in your family, like you don't know what you've contracted from the outside world. Yeah. You know what I get really excited about? Bathrooms where everything is motion censored. The sink, the toilet. Yeah. All the doors, like it just all moves. All those fancy Dyson hand dryers. I love the Dyson hand dryers. They work so well. Then you go back to one of those old school ones, and you're like, I need to keep my hands under this for ten minutes, or else they're not actually getting dry. Those Dysons, it's like twenty seconds. It's awesome. I I do want to bring up since we're talking about restaurants and the service industry in general, um, you know, the U.S.'s lack of effective sick leave <laughs> policy for people is what's really going to fuck us over during flu season and any other kind of outbreak because service industry employees who are not given, they're not routinely given paid time off or paid sick time, they're just going to come to work Mm -hmm. because they can't afford to miss the shift. I have members of my own family who are in the service industry. They get no paid sick time. So it incentivizes people to come to work sick and they are pouring your beverages, preparing your food, oh, bussing your tables. Yeah. Yep. Or so sometimes, it's just... too, it's like you, you need to come in until they find somebody else. And I think that that's such a shit policy. I know I've definitely been there, like working in coffee shops and stuff like that, where they say, OK, well, like, just come in, especially if you're like on an opening shift or closing shift so that it's not just one other person in, in the place with you and just stay until we find somebody else, like because we need another body there. I definitely worked in places, too, where it was like a badge of honor to come to work sick. 
Look at me. Like, I still oh, made it. You. I'm dedicated. <laughs> yeah, you're such a you're such a trooper. Look at you. Like, and then meanwhile, everybody's got walking pneumonia. Speaking of the service industry, something that I always notice is when, let's say you're at a diner and a waiter comes by, he says, Oh, you need a refill of that coffee? He grabs the top of your cup. He puts his fingers where you put your lips. And then he refills the coffee and puts it back down. And now you're supposed to make contact with where his fingers were. And he's touching everything in that restaurant. I'm like, dude, why are you thinking about this? I just hold my cup up before they even get there. I need to start doing that because this happens a lot. I'm just like, oh, here, I'll hold it. Thank you. Right. And we're in this era now where we're getting rid of straws. So now you really are touching the tops of those cups all the time with your lips. Uh Uh-uh. They need to train people in the service industry to not touch the top of cups. Well, yeah. and I think there's there's a certain extent to which being a human being, like there's a reasonable extent to which you are going to be exposed to other people's germs. Like there just is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's a good example of something that we could all do a little better on. Like maybe when somebody comes to refill your drink, don't just like sit there and stare at them. Like as Pam suggested, lift up your cups. So I got that- it. Yeah, exactly. And then it sort of mitigates this whole risk. And then of... you don't have to tip them as much, right? Because you're holding up the cup for them. Sure. <laughs> Andrew, I know you're already not tipping them as much. What? But it what? is kind of funny no. that you mentioned that because I'm, I'm just thinking, kidding. I'm kidding. I, I was just thinking back specifically to like working in coffee, right? And when you're on the espresso bar and you're trying to get drinks out as fast as possible, I'm sure I've definitely like instead of using the handle, because sometimes those drinks get really heavy, just like picking up the cup like this and like putting it on the table. But I know that I've washed my hands before I got on the espresso bar, you know, so right. I know that my hands are clean. But now but I'm realizing that doesn't know those that. people don't yeah. know that my hands are clean. You should you tell know? them. And just think about like, you're, if you're handing over money, especially if you're tipping, you know, people in service industry prefer cash tips. Think about all the places that money has been I don't carry cash for this reason. Cash is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've I've actually gotten into the habit of like, if I'm out and I want to tip somebody, I'm like, can I Venmo tip you? Oh, my and, gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, more often than not, people are like, yeah, sure. Here's my user. Like, they'll show me their little barcode <laughs> and I can scan it and send them my tip. There aren't any germs on that Venmo cash. Exactly. So I do something that I just cannot shake when I'm in hotel rooms. And I've spent the past month in other people's places or hotel rooms. So I've been doing this a lot recently. When I use a shower that is not mine, it could be a hotel shower, an Airbnb shower, even one of my friend's showers. I stand on the side of my feet because I am paranoid that I'm stepping on gross things. And it makes no sense because the sides of my feet are still making contact but i just feel better knowing only the sides of my feet are actually on that shower floor i think it depends on the hotel like you know when you're walking into like a nasty hotel Mm -hmm. like you know it you can just there's 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 something in the air yeah um if a place seems clean i don't tend to sweat it that much do you ever think about like how there's been hundreds of people in that room thousands Naked yeah, on I'm trying not to think too. about that. <laughs> <laughs> sat on that toilet seat. I mean, of course, this is the case for public restrooms, but like they don't put seat covers in hotel rooms because it's supposed to feel like home. So, yeah, just the amount of butts that have been on those toilet seats and t- 
touched all the light I mean, switches. I think that and... Laura could probably attest to this, but I knew that, like, especially with public restrooms, I, I grew up with, like, my parents and my grandparents telling me not to sit on those toilet seats. So, you know, you get really good room. at squatting when you're a girl. Yeah, I mean, I think also there's... It's good to be educated about how germs can transfer, though, because, like, there's always that... I feel like this is especially a thing when you're in your teen years, and especially if you're somebody who sits on a seat and as opposed to standing, there's that fear of like, oh, can I get an STD from sitting on a toilet seat? No. I mean, like, I suppose if somebody rubbed their STD riddled genitals on the toilet seat and then you immediately went and rubbed your genitals on the same spot... (laughs) I guess, but that's not how people use bathrooms. So that's not really how germs of any type are going to be transferred. Like bare asses sitting on a toilet seat is not bare ass to bare ass. It's like scissoring kind of. (laughs) So a few days into my road trip last month, I got sick. I came down with something in Albuquerque. And after that, I bought wipes and I was wiping down every place I stayed in because I just did not want to risk it. And you know housekeeping is not properly cleaning these places. I seriously doubt they're disinfecting everything. I would assume they're not disinfecting anything at all. They're putting on new sheets. They're vacuuming. They're maybe wiping up the floor. You know? So so I've just been doing yeah. that myself now. I can't trust I think them. we also have to be careful, though, like... We can't get too disinfectant heavy because we've seen how that can also bite us in the ass. I mean, look at all of the super bugs that have been bred because of excessive use of like disinfectants and antibacterials. Just can't win. Can't win. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm kind of like so-so, even though I do carry it, especially when I travel about hand sanitizer, because I've heard just being like super addicted to that is not really good for you mm. either. See, and I used to laugh at the people who, when they sat down on, say, a plane, they started wiping everything in reach. I used to laugh at them, but I'm not anymore. I think I'm going to turn into one of those people because I just do not want to risk it. Because when I get sick, I have this cold hanging on for like two weeks. It ruins two weeks of your life. I mean, aside from like right now, just in general, who among us has not sat next to or in front of somebody that was coughing up a storm on the airplane and then you just know the next day you're gonna get sick yep yep just closing thought please y'all wash your hands cough into your shirt into your elbow for the love of god don't sneeze into your hand the palm of your hands it's insane and if you're not feeling well and you're able please stay home and remember you cannot absorb germs into the body through your hands like i thought until four hours ago or your bare ass <laughs> <laughs> so what's been going on in the race laura uh, a lot of news don't sigh this is the exciting part come on uh, is it yes is it if okay. you're not gonna get excited why should our listeners care i think excitement is maybe not the word that i would use for the 2020 race <laughs> um it is certainly interesting though so we had the south carolina primary Uh, Last weekend, Joe Biden had a resounding win in South Carolina, which was something that we talked about on the show before, which is that the first three states of the primary process are very homogenous in terms of their demographics. So we can't necessarily count sort of the winners in the early states as like the automatic uh, leaders of the race until we start seeing more diverse backgrounds start to vote. And I think South Carolina showed us that. 
Um, Bernie Sanders did come in second, but it was a pretty distant second. We're talking like 20% of the vote, whereas Joe Biden got like 48% of the vote. Uh, Following this, Tom Steyer, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar all dropped out of the Democratic race. Yeah. Amy Klobuchar has endorsed Joe Biden or will shortly be endorsing Joe Biden, um, which has created some consternation amongst um, some of the more like vocal and active participants of the primary process thus far. And I thought we could talk about that and sort of what it means for how we'll be voting in our upcoming primaries. Yeah. And as we've been recording, Pete just endorsed Joe. And from what I just mm-hmm. saw on Twitter through a quick peek, um, apparently it was a very moving moment between Pete and Joe. Joe seems to see a lot of his son who passed in Pete, which is interesting. Pete leaving the race was really surprising because a lot of people expected him to at least stay in through Super Tuesday. It was not looking good for him, but we were so close. I mean, it's tomorrow. We thought he would hang in there, but then he dropped out Sunday night. Um, and then Klobuchar dropped out Monday, like you said, Laura. Um, I'm glad that the vote here, the Illinois primary, is not till March 17th because I would have been annoyed if I voted for Pete, say, last week, and then he drops out. I mean, I know that's how it goes, but I'm just glad we have a couple more weeks. I'm not going to early vote because I'm afraid that Warren's going to drop out, and she's the person who I would vote for if I had to vote today. Yep, same um, Georgia's primary is not until the 24th of March. Um, so I'm not saying I won't early vote, but I'm definitely going to be waiting to see what happens on Super Tuesday, um, which is the day after we record this episode, because I think that's really going to tell the tale of how I'll be voting in the primary. Um, because honestly, I, you know, if Warren is not going to be, uh, somebody viable for me to vote for, and I define that by saying, still in the race, um, then I would be looking to vote for the candidate who most closely aligns with Warren's policies. Now, Pam, you're a part of Super Tuesday. Who are you voting for? Well, assuming that, you know, she doesn't drop a bomb tonight, I'll be voting for Warren tomorrow. So... Okay. Are you nervous about that? Because do you feel like she's kind of. That's what I... You know, look, I'm not going to lie. Usually I do leave the the ballot filling out until the last minute because I kind of already know what I'm going to vote, how I'm going to vote for a lot of the other stuff. So it's just easy to put it off. But... In this case, specifically, it almost kind of feels like a bit of a blessing that I haven't, you know, filled in that bubble. Yeah, Pam, I think that if Warren was going to drop out before Super Tuesday, she would have done it already. Um, So that, you know, read into that what you will, but I think that she'll still be in it come tomorrow. Um, But I definitely have to say I have to respect people like Buttigieg and Klobuchar who could have very well decided to try and ride this out through Super Tuesday, but I think they both saw that neither of them had a path to victory. And rather than split the ticket further, they decided to, you know, quit while they were ahead. And both of them are very young. So I think that we could very well see them in future presidential races. Yeah. Um, they've got, still got plenty of opportunities, and I appreciated both of them for recognizing that. Yeah. Assuming that Warren drops out before the Illinois primary and assuming that Bernie is going to do very well on Super Tuesday, I will vote for Bernie on March 17th. If Joe puts up a good showing, 
I will probably be more inclined to vote for Joe because I think he stands a better chance at defeating Donald Trump in November. Based on how everything's gone so far, I'm going to say my vote's going to be going to Bernie on March 17th. I never thought I would say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my thing is, if if Warren is still in it, come time for my primary, I will be voting for her. Mm-hmm. If she has dropped out by my primary, I will also be voting for Sanders because his policies, you know, they most closely align with hers. Um, and as has been chronicled on this show... I think pretty much everyone knows I'm not a big Bernie Sanders fan, but I think this is an example of a time where people need to put on their grown up pants Mm -hmm. and they need to vote for the most viable option. And, you know, the most viable option could be different from who you think would be the best president. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is defeating Donald Trump. And I think that people who are saying that need to put their money where their mouth is and they they got to do the thing, you know, do the thing. Yeah. So, Laura, what do you make of Bernie supporters saying, what the hell, Pete and Klobuchar, you're bowing out right before Super Tuesday and endorsing Joe? Are you trying to take the vote away from Bernie? Uh, well, Buttigieg and Klobuchar are both like centrist moderates. So I think anybody who thought that they weren't going to throw to Joe hasn't been paying attention i guess it's the like, timing I, of it though why yeah, why right i mean i think Super tuesday i mean i think the timing is intentional it's i mean they're moderates they want to propel the moderate cause right so of course moderate candidates are going to want to bolster other moderate candidates mm-hmm. yeah it, it this seems very straightforward to me they have been calling they've been saying the dnc is stealing it from bernie and what cracks me up about that is Bernie has only won, what, 50 delegates? There's still like 1,900 to go or some ridiculously high number like that. Yeah, like 22 of the most populous states have not even had their primaries yet. What are Calm you stealing down. from Bernie? Maybe you can argue a little bit of momentum, but that's not a, that's not tangible. Those aren't delegates. They're not taking anything away from Bernie. Bernie can still win it. Can you imagine how weird it would be if little miss midwest amy klobuchar was all of a sudden like democratic socialism <laughs> that would make no sense i'll miss pete i won't miss amy she was a little awkward at times on the debate stage always looking for that viral moment and told the same joke 50 times yeah it just came off so forced <laughs> you know i will say the important thing here and if if anybody wants a candidate to align against your candidate is Bloomberg. That's who we need to stop. Okay. I don't love That's Joe Biden. The guy who should have dropped out by now. Yes. Like, <laughs> well, he just listen, got in. I don't, I don't love Joe Biden. I don't love Bernie Sanders. But I would take either one of them hands down over Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. So that is who we need to be aligned against. Because Bloomberg is just the Democrat Trump. That's all he is. Mm. We don't need that. Yeah, and he's got no personality, and he doesn't care about the average American, and 
just... He thinks that he can just spend billions of dollars on YouTube and Facebook ads and have and it in the And keep sending us all mailers because I definitely yeah. have a stack of those in my house. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. I can't imagine. I haven't gotten any yet. I don't know why I've been so lucky. Lucky you. Uh, well, your primary is not for a couple of weeks. Give it time. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. <laughs> it is It is crazy that, I mean, all this money that he's thrown into it has worked. He has been able to qualify for the debates. He is a viable candidate. And it's all because he just had a ton of money that he could throw at the campaign instead of just giving to us. I think about that all the time. Like, yeah, Mike, couldn't you have just like bought me a house? You could have still ran for president. Or if you really wanted to make a difference, say, you know what, Democratic Party, whoever you nominate, I'm going to put so much money into that fucking campaign. Yeah. Like, use your money to defeat Trump. You don't have to be president. Yeah. Don't use it to continue splitting up the Democratic Party. And the vote. Yeah, if you want to see something really disconcerting, drive through some of your wealthier neighborhoods that you know tend to be Democrat leaning, and you'll see Bloomberg signs everywhere. Um, this like anytime I'm like driving through like a particularly ritzy area of Atlanta, it's like Bloomberg signs fucking everywhere. Really? Yep. Wow. Maybe oh, I'll do I that it. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. After I drive past, like, the the one lonely Trump supporter that's going to be petitioning, or not petitioning, but protesting outside the polling place. So Bay-level patrons will have access to a new breaking news installment on Tuesday night. We are going to record at some point during the night. We'll see how uh, the results come in. We're going to wait for some projections, and then we're going to record a reaction to the Super Tuesday results. So you will be able to get that at the Bay level at patreon.com slash millennial. Breaking news is one of our more recent benefits, I would say. We react to any breaking news that happens, and we get that right up on Patreon so you can get an instant reaction from us. And thanks, everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash millennial. And of course, next week, we will be back uh, for more Super Tuesday analysis. I imagine by next week's episode, we're going to have seen at least one, maybe more candidates drop out. Tulsi Gabbard, for example, is still in the race. I saw some big billboards for her in Nebraska last week, and they were like legit way off the road. I'm like, wow, that's so sad. She can only afford the Nebraska billboards way off the road. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of forgot she was still in the race. I know. She's not really in it, but she is technically was like Marianne Williamson for a while. We were like, wait, she hasn't dropped out yet. All right. Well, we do have some listener feedback we can jump into. This one comes from Taylor. Taylor says, I had a Marina IUD for over two years and it ruined my life. I stopped having a period, which was great, but I had cramps every day, all day, every day. I was constantly bloated and felt as if I was on my period. I gained over 15 pounds and that I was unable to lose. I had severe pelvic pains. My skin was a mess. The list goes on. My emotions were out of control. I was young and beautiful and should have been in the prime of my life. Marina stole that from me. Marina stole two years from me and I allowed it to because I was so terrified of pregnancy. I had forgotten there are other options for contraception. Um, this was in response to us talking a couple of weeks ago about our preferred birth control methods. I have a strong preference for IUDs because I've had a pretty good experience. Um, I am on the Marina IUD. But I think that Taylor's email goes to show that all bodies are different and everybody's going to respond differently to 
you know, different forms of hormonal birth control. So just be sure that you're working closely with your doctor. And if you don't feel right, don't feel like you have to continue using that thing. There are other options for sure. This one reads, I met my girlfriend on Tinder. We've been together for over a year. I love her and I love building a life with her, but the sex life has honestly become disappointing. Over the last few months, we've dealt with a lot of challenges, roommates, money, work, family, and sex often was often wasn't on our minds because we were so upset or exhausted. But when things calmed down, we were still having less sex because honestly, seven hours of sleep isn't enough for the nine to five work life when you have to use all your free time to deal with personal problems. I get it. I'm trying to be understanding of how she how tired she is, but I honestly don't know how that will work for me and I don't know how to bring it up. How have you guys managed your sex lives since moving in with your partners and how would you bring this up to them? Bend over, bitch. That's what I would say. I don't think that would work here. I think to, to clarify, this writer is this is a lesbian relationship. I kind of trimmed the email down because it was a bit lengthy. I think what can happen sometimes is that the magic isn't in the air at the moment. And what you have to do is just conjure it. <laughs> you have to force it into existence. And by that, I mean, just start cuddling more, start being more affectionate. And with enough time... I'm talking, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, suddenly you both will be revved up and then maybe it can happen. Because there are times where, you know, my partner is initiating and I'm like, I I don't really feel like it right now. I don't say that, but that's what I'm saying in my head. But with enough work, I get into it. You know what I mean? You You have to be revved up. You have to be turned on. So just because they're not feeling it in the moment doesn't mean you should give up. I think you should work on it for a little while. I think also having a dialogue about it. Yeah. Like if you find that you're, you know, you're trying to make things happen and your partner is not responding, it's okay to ask to be like, Hey, are you okay? You just seem a little bit distracted or you seem like you might not be into this. And I don't want to try and like make you do something that you don't want to do. Um, so let's talk about it. Or if it's like a chronic thing where you feel like you're not having sex at all for a really long time, just sitting down with your partner and being like, Hey, so this is what I've noticed. Um, you know, I don't want to be accusatory. I know that things have been really busy lately, but I think that this is an important component of our relationship that we should talk about because you might learn something that you didn't know. I mean, there could be some underlying thing that that your partner hasn't necessarily talked about yet because it's weird to talk about. It's weird to be like, I don't feel like having sex because I'm really like stressed out at work, for example. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like maybe sex could be a good release from that, but you never know. You never know what other people are going through. So, And it actually could turn them on that you're like, hey, this is really important to me that we're having more sex in our relationship why aren't we having that sex? And because you're having this really special moment, that might naturally lead to actually having sex in that moment. That might not fix down the road, but that time it most certainly can. And it's also a really good opportunity to be vulnerable with your partner because yeah. engaging in a conversation like this is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not an easy conversation to have, but I think if you're showing your partner that you care enough to bring it up and even acknowledging like, I feel really weird talking about this. And I was kind of nervous thinking about how I was going to bring it up. But I think we should talk about it. I think that shows them that you're invested. And that's the most important thing for a relationship. Yeah. And and say it's important to me. 
it's important to me that we have sex. If that partner is worth being your partner, then they will have sex with you because they want to make you happy. You have to play to the other person's interests. So even if they don't want to have sex, they're going to have to because it's important to you. They don't. Ha- Let's clarify. They don't have to. They have to to keep you happy. It, it's I would I would clarify that by saying that it's a conversation that people need to have to make sure they're compatible. And if you if you're with somebody who's not interested in sex, then that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, the other part of this, I would say, is that um, and this is the official like millennial disclaimer. This show is not a substitute for talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And I am a huge proponent of going to therapy even if you're just going on your own to be like, hey, I'm with my partner, like she checks all the boxes for me, but there's this one issue. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with it. A therapist can help you have that conversation. Good luck, confessional writer. Keep us posted. As always, we want to know if things work out between you two. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about one more topic today that's been hot on the internet. Right, Pam? Tell us what's been going on with Disney+. Plus. Already there's some drama. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the drama started with the upcoming Love, Simon TV series, which has since been renamed Love, Victor. It follows a completely different character, a titular character, and... Everyone was really excited about this. This was like a really big deal. The movie did really well. A lot of people are fans of Becky Albertalli's book. They were excited to get more of like this universe. And then Disney kind of dropped a bomb and they announced that they had decided to move Love, Victor over to Hulu, which they also own now. And the reason they decided to do this is because apparently there are too many adult themes. So specifically, they cited um, issues with alcohol use, marital issues amongst parents, and sexual exploration as topics that they felt as though might not resonate with families that like to sit down and watch Disney Plus with their kids as well. Um And following this, you know, there's a lot of public outcry, a lot of people saying that, you know, is this Disney's way of just saying, oh, the series is too gay. But then, like, why would this be a surprise? Because they signed on for, you know, a gay teen um, rom dramedy. And uh, the author, Becky Apertali, she took to Twitter to try and smooth things over. And she said, quote, Disney knew what they got when they got it. There are mature themes such as teen drinking, etc., that led to the switch. That said, I completely get why many of us are wary of phrases like mature content and adult themes. They're so often used as homophobic do- dog whistles. And these concerns are so valid. And then she also ended on something that I think Andrew wanted to touch on specifically, which is that she reminded fans that she has zero control over the decisions that are made by major entertainment corporations. Yeah. So, so don't blame that's where me. We're at with Love, Simon. Yeah. Well, and this also comes at a time when Disney is frequently criticized for shying away from including gay characters in their stories. There was that blink and you'll miss it lesbian kiss at the end of Star Wars. Ooh, thanks. A real quick... I literally missed it. Yeah, because it was in the I distance, was... too. <laughs> I was actively looking for it. <laughs> and you still missed it. I still missed it. <laughs> there was applause in my theater. I was like, oh, please. Disney does not deserve applause for that. Or Lucasfilm. Marvel, same thing. They've shied away from gay characters. Pixar, Walt Disney Animation. There have not been gay characters. And so people are raising their eyebrows when it looks like Disney Plus was about to have 
a significant gay drama within their library. And we were applauding them for that. We thought, okay, maybe they're not including gay characters because they're afraid of it hurting the box office, China, etc. Disney Plus, safer bet. Because nobody's going to quit Disney Plus over one single TV series, in my opinion. Um, And then they move it to Hulu. I don't know what to believe here. I'm very confused and I'm upset because Disney Plus, Disney was trying to say the adult themes. You have the Mandalorian. He's murdering people. Is that suitable for families? Is it suitable just because you have that cute Yoda that isn't really Yoda in there? No, I'm not buying this excuse. I think Disney is afraid of having a gay show on Disney+. Plus. I think it could do well at Hulu, but you were set to have this on Disney+. Plus, So don't move it away now. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, would they do better to have, like, a teen section? Do they have a teen section on Disney+, Plus? like would is the answer here for them to just have different viewing categories that make it really clear what the themes in certain shows might be right why not just have a content warning there's drugs yeah. and i show. mean they have, sure they they have content do. warnings for yeah. all the racist stuff in their old movie and right. also like 100 percent was that. watching the sword in the stone last night and there's a content warning for tobacco use see this is why this makes no sense I think you can set up kids' profiles on Disney+. Plus. They might have a kids' section like Disney does, or sorry, like Netflix does, and I think Apple TV Plus does, and Hulu. They have all got the kids' sections, and I think Disney+, Plus has that too. So just keep Love, Victor out of the kids' section. This isn't difficult. Yeah. And then the other angle to this story is what's been going on with Lizzie McGuire, right, Pam? Yes. So after this whole news broke about love victor hillary duff took to her instagram stories to throw a little bit of shade at disney and she took a screenshot of one of the many articles that reported on this switch over to hulu circled the headline that said love victor was not family friendly enough and then added sounds familiar so this was like a huge bomb <laughs> dropped because for anybody that's been following news in terms of what's been going down with the Lizzie McGuire revival, you will know that Terry Minsky, who was the original executive producer and series creator, who was also set to come back to spearhead the revival, actually exited the project at the beginning of the year. And so the revival has been at a standstill as Disney looks for a new executive producer. Mm-hmm. We didn't actually explain why terry and disney had parted ways and why they only filmed two episodes and then you know basically gave terry the boot but now it's looking like you know it's basically because the direction that terry minsky wanted to take the revival in did not align with disney's uh desire to to have lizzie stay squeaky clean kind of like she was on the disney channel and this is what hillary um, duff wanted too she was an executive producer on the show exactly Exactly. And Hillary Duff actually did not expand on her shady comments that happened last Wednesday. But on Friday, she did go back onto Instagram and she posted this really nice note to all the Lizzie McGuire fans. And she basically made a very good plea to Disney asking them to to move the revival over to Hulu so that they could escape the PG, the PG parameters and, and give the fans the revival that, you know, everybody kind of wants to see. So my whole thing with this is like, when this revival was announced, it was it wasn't like a, you know, Raven's Home or Girl Meets World where it's like technically a revival, but it really focuses on, you know, the original characters' kids. So if this was a show about, you know, a 30-something millennial 
life has to be messy, right? Right. So yeah, like they're right. they're gearing it towards people that are already adults and not kids that need, you know, that, that, that like maybe you need to protect from certain subject matters. Yeah. Rex in our Discord was saying that he wants to see Lizzie hoeing it up in New York City. <laughs> Honestly, same. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we all do now. We all grew up yeah. with Lizzie. Like imagine Lizzie having to find a clinic that's open to get the plan B pill. That's <laughs> yeah. like the Lizzie McGuire I want to see. You know she's been there. And this is oh, what pisses yeah. me off. I who is Disney Plus for? Who was that Lizzie McGuire series for? It was for all the kids who watched it growing up, what, 10 years millennials. ago? Millennials. Yep. It's for millennials. Exactly. And who subscribed to Disney Plus? Yes, there's parents getting it for their kids, but millennials, right. Yeah. So what we the We all paid fuck? three years up front yeah, for the Lizzie right? McGuire revival. We're tied in. Now, we should have paid three years for Hulu, apparently. That's where all the good stuff is. I'm not here just to watch High School Musical, the musical of the series, which is definitely for teens. And yes, there are a couple of gay characters in that, so that's good. But it doesn't get edgy like like Lizzie McGuire and Love, Victor were going to be. Like I said, The Mandalorian is there, and that's got adult themes in it. So, And of course, it's got all this con- Disney content that was primarily made for children that we all still love because this stuff appeals to people of all ages. But not everything on Disney Plus has to appeal to everybody. I mean, can we talk about how most Disney animated features are sort of like the impetus for the story is a parent figure being murdered? Oh, like, all that's the time. Pretty, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty mature theme. It is. Disney. Yes. Yes, it is. It's the only thing they can think I wanted to point out up. really quickly. I was just thinking about this um, over the weekend that originally the High Fidelity series was also set to be a Disney Plus original and they quietly moved that over what? to Hulu. And I understand. I just watched that over the weekend. Yeah, and I understand why they did that. But it is kind of funny that they greenlit all of these originals and then used them to advertise Disney Plus to a wide audience. And now they're suddenly like quietly moving them over to different, um, yeah, you know, platforms and entities that they own. It's just like it's really weird. All these second thoughts. High fidelity makes so much more sense to me now because. Watching it, I was like, why does she break the fourth wall so fucking much? What is High Fidelity? It's a, it's, it's like a, it's a rom-com show. series. Did yeah. you ever read the book or watch the movie? There's, it's based off of a book by Nick Hornby, uh, who also wrote about a boy, um, also turned into a movie. And then there was a movie that starred John Cusack. And it's basically this guy that's obsessed with making lists and music and He's been like down on his luck, but in the series, uh, he's played by Zoe Kravitz and she's kind of going through the same thing. She's trying to figure out why relationships won't stick and Hmm. um, she's kind of a little bit messy and, you know, she owns a record store. It's really quirky. It's really fun. Would recommend. She shows her boobies a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. But how funny that that series was originally meant for Disney Plus. Right. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Three series that they've moved. It really looks like they're trying to keep everything suitable for children and still we don't know if love victor had to be moved over there for any other legitimate reason other than gay characters featured prominently and that's disturbing and i would not put that past disney to move it over there because oh my gosh gay people and we're afraid of the reaction from well at least they were also worried about straight people having sex because if not high fidelity would have stayed yeah maybe Uh, maybe lizzie (laughs) 
is becoming a lesbian in this new series and Disney Plus was like, oh no, 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 that, no. That is That's a big a theory that, that maybe she's secretly in love with Miranda now that they're adults. <laughs> I mean, so many millennials were so excited when Lizzie McGuire was announced for Disney Plus, a new season, or the spinoff, whatever you want to call it. And they haul production after two episodes. Bob Iger's like, you know what? This isn't for children. It's got to go. Goodbye. Imagine how great those two episodes are, though. I really hope that they do this. They move the show over. They make amends with Terry Minsky. And then, like, we'll just get the revival that we all deserve, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love this entertainment gossip. And you know, Hillary Duff was getting really desperate when she had to go public with this. I mean, normally this type of thing is supposed to stay under lock and key. This is what you discuss in Disney's offices. You don't go out on Instagram and say, hey, everybody, talk Disney into moving Lizzie McGuire to Hulu. And oh, look what happened to Love Victor. Sounds familiar. Like she's really pissed at Disney. This is not a good look for them at all. Well, especially with somebody who's had such a long-standing relationship with Disney. Yes. That's not a good look. Yeah. Yeah, she really catapulted that like Disney Channel Golden Girl um starlet persona mm-hmm. and paved the way for people like Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato and a bunch of other people that I'm forgetting. So it is like, I mean, yeah, she, <laughs> I think she still has some pull there. New hypable article idea. Best shows for adults on Disney Plus because I don't know what to watch. I'm out of stuff. I had a couple shows. I liked them. But now what do I watch? And like the Marvel shows, are those going to be kid friendly or geared towards adults? I assume they're going to be kid friendly. I mean, I think probably as kid friendly as the Marvel movies have been. Right. Yeah. I like Disney Plus. I'm happy with it. I love having every Disney movie and TV show right there, mm-hmm. but they got to add more original content. It's it's a little boring unless you, you know, you can just be happy with Disney's entire library. And I'm not. I want more. I want new. Okay, time now for recommendations. I'm going to recommend McMillions on HBO. This is a new docu series. Did you guys hear about this? I mm-hmm. did. I see it advertised every time I try to watch an HBO show. Okay. So, it's about <laughs> The Monopoly game at McDonald's all those years ago, people were stealing the boardwalk pieces and giving them to friends and family members. And the docuseries is still airing, so we don't know how it ends, but it's this whole mob family story. It's pretty crazy. Were they, are they making, they're making a movie about this, right? It's based off of the Daily Beast article. No, no, this is the documentary series on HBO. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's but called McMillions. I think they're making a movie about it, too. Maybe It is a pretty crazy story, though. I could definitely see it being a movie, but it's a really interesting expose, and they have all these interviews with members of the FBI and uh, people within McDonald's and family members of the guy who is orchestrating all of this, this huge scam. This is why Monopoly doesn't happen at McDonald's anymore. I used to get so excited <laughs> when this game was at McDonald's when I was a kid. Um, I want to recommend, in addition to looking at some of our latest social videos that feature my personal bras, um, I also want to recommend this Generation Clay um, purple tightening mask. I actually got this through one of our sponsors several months ago, but with the winter months like really drying my skin out and kind of needing an opportunity to boost and refresh, um, this has been really good at like getting any like dead skin 
off and just making my face look a lot brighter. So yeah, this stuff. Pam, you were, oh yeah, I, I got that in one of my boxes too. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Pam, you were right. A movie is in the works. Ah, uh, okay, good. I'm not going crazy. That's good to know. Thank you, Jewel. Um, I want to recommend the Instant Pot, but really like any kind of crock pot uh, pressure cooker. I resisted buying one of these for a while, and then I finally bit the bullet when I was browsing at Costco one day. It's so great. And especially on days like today where I have a lot of stuff going on. And then, of course, like we have this show, I don't always have time to make dinner. But it's just so nice to be able to like set it and forget it. And then I'll be done and I'll have some really good soup waiting for me. Mm. And you can make like entire roasts in there. You can I've done like curry in there. Of course, you can do rice. I guess some people make yogurt. I'm not that uh, fancy. But it's just like, it's great. It's fantastic. Believe the hype. Yeah, Pat swears by his instant pot. And these are always really hot gifts around Christmas, I think. Because once you go instant pot, you never go back. Yeah, my mom also swears by hers. Man, it was such a busy week. We had a fun, loose episode today, didn't we? Yeah, even though some of the things happening in the world aren't necessarily fun and loose. We didn't even talk about Lady Gaga's (laughs) new single, Stupid Love, which has been running through my head since it was released on Friday. Really? Yeah. And then Uh, we tried to listen to it the other day and I wasn't feeling it. Maybe you can redeem it for me right now, Andrew. And then on Monday, she announced that Lady Gaga 6, Chromatica, is going to be released April 10th, I believe. So right around the time when Laura files her tax returns. I'm surprised that the new album is only a month away. I'm really excited. Like, I love Gaga. Every album is fantastic for the most part. Even Art Pop. I like some songs off Art Pop. Are you a Gaga fan, Pam? Yeah, um... Uh, that's funny that you mentioned art pop i feel like that's the controversial album that everybody kind of likes now because we've had some distance (laughs) but but i do yeah i i do appreciate lady gaga and i'll be really excited to check out her album in like a month best songs off art pop aura venus don't you know my ass is famous and gui that's a good one everything else meh oh and uh do what you want but but i forgot that was off of art pop yeah i think that's the, the duet that she did with r kelly and then she had to retract she removed it, it right yeah that's why yeah. i don't see it in the track list right now but she did a great one with christina aguilera which oh, i listened yeah. to earlier today she should just pop that onto art pop i don't know why that mm-hmm. isn't the case oh and gypsy's very good on art pop so and donatella there's a lot actually it's just ahead of its time you know yeah ex- exactly it was too soon for art pop kind of like gaga herself <laughs> she's always ahead of her time if you would like to get in touch with us today if you have any feedback about germs sexless lesbians instant pots or anything else that we've discussed today send it on in to millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. We love hearing from our listeners. So please send in feedback. We read everything. Thank you to everybody who writes in. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then, of course, we have the Patreon, the thing that keeps this show chugging along. And what are we talking about in After Dark today? Oh, man, we have got a few things, personal relationship updates, personal life updates. And then also we're going to be doing a check in on our New Year's resolutions. Um, For anyone who doesn't recall, we all made New Year's resolutions on the final episode of 2019. So now 
like a fourth of the way into 2020, we're going to check in and see how we're doing. We're already a fourth of the way. No, we're like a sixth. Don't scare me like that. Well, we've had two full months. Andrew's over here trying to rationalize why it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a feeling I know what I'm going to hear in after <laughs> No, I've changed a lot in the past two months. You'll see. <laughs> okay. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> so again, that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. Thank you to everybody who pledges. We really appreciate your support. It makes our days. And thank you for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. See ya. Oh, I turned it on at just the right spot. your stupid love i really loved that article pam i think was it was you or jewel who sent it to us the other day about the girl whose ex-boyfriend is dating oh Gaga. yeah yeah i did send that Ooh, she, man, she gave me a lot of perspective that. on my own life yep yeah i um this is kind of like it's going off of that but i i was also thinking about how like um, you know, like I, there are like a very small handful of guys that I've been involved with in the past that I, I still have on social media. And last year, one of them had a baby and the baby was born on my birthday. And that really threw me for a loop. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was distraught for a few days um, because I just thought that that was so weird. And and I was thinking about that when I was reading this article and I was like, I need to be like this lady. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) it's funny, somebody that I dated and who I'm still on pretty good terms with, I've noticed on his social that he's dating a girl who looks a lot like me. And I'm like, oh, you have a type. (laughs) Like down to like, septum piercing and like crazy hair, and just like general body composition. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know what I love about Gaga? Her work so far has been timeless. The fame has aged so well. It's such a good album. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. The Fame Monster. Joanne, her most recent, still great in my opinion. Art Pop, like I said earlier. And uh, what else? There is one more album. The Fame... No, she did The Fame and then The Fame Monster and Bad Romance, right? Bad Romance was on Fame Monster. Oh, really? I thought it was the title of an album for some No, no. Probably Uh, going crazy. Born This Way, Pat just reminded me. Ah, uh, okay, born this way. Yeah, we gays have to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. It was born this way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>